Oh, welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And man, still waiting for old Cousin Shane to get him some internet so he can join us on the show. Again, that's scheduled to be later this week, although we've heard that one before. But even with no Cousin Shane on the show, we have got a fun one here to get the week started. We've been promising these SEC West fan votes, how that's going to go. We did the East last week. Go back and check that out if you missed it. I just got off the phone with my buddy Dave Bartu. We chatted for nearly half an hour, and man, I was at the end. It was a great conversation. He got me a little depressed. I'll get to that in a second. But as soon as we got done, I was like, my God, we should have recorded this bad boy. So he is scheduled to be on the next show as long as we can line up the schedules and all that. So we're going to get into a deep dive on the SEC schedule with Dave Bartu, hopefully on the next episode. But let's just start with the conclusion of spring meetings there. And I teased it on Friday. I said there'd be a bonus emergency podcast if anything happened. So obviously nothing happened. The SEC came out and decided not to hold a vote on the eight or nine game conference schedule. There was enough momentum to stay at eight. And yeah, obviously, if you listen to this show or you follow me on Twitter, you know, not a fan of that decision. But that's something that uh, Dave Bartu, I don't want to say he's totally convinced me, but he's a strong, strong proponent of the eight-game conference schedule and what that'll mean for the SEC. He's got some very interesting ideas. He wants to boost the non-conference, have non-conference games dictate playoff spots, aside from, of course, conference championships. And so that would have more big, key, marquee non-conference games for everyone in the SEC. It was an interesting conversation. Again, I'm going to try to rehash all these talking points with Dave Bartu, but when it comes to players adding another conference game, players getting beat up, teams having poor records from playing nine games in the SEC, a lot of good points made by Dave Bartu. So we'll 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 rehash all that on the next episode. But uh, the SEC did finalize a format for basketball, soccer, men's tennis, women's tennis, and softball. So basically. Nothing that we'd care to talk about on this show, but that's what they got out of Destin. But one final thing before we put a pin on what happened down in Destin. A little comment here from uh, Mike Leach. Didn't have a single quote from him somehow during uh, the league meetings down there in Destin. And Coach Leach made an appearance on Sirius XM. They put this out after Mike Leach had already left, and I just thought this was too hilarious not to share. So is Mike Leach on why he was only invited to uh, the spring meetings for just two days. Pac-12 was more of a shorts flip-flop uh, setting. Mm. Uh, uh, you know, here you you, you you know you tried to look coachish. You know, like, <laughs> what you if know, we can coach uh, coaches? Are you coaches well, I got right I got my khakis. You mm. see, yeah. which, which this is this is the ultimate coach uniform. Khakis for sure. Okay, you know, can't go wrong with khakis. Just wear khakis. Okay. And then uh, tennis shoes, you know, because the dress shoe guys, mm-hmm. uh, they're just a little hoity-toity for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, um, uh, tennis shoes. Now, if they keep you for three days, no, all bets are off. Then it's shorts, T-shirt, 
uh, flip flops. So by the third day, that's what you're third, going with. Yeah. By the by the third day, but they're I think they're that's part of why they're letting me go after two. <laughs> okay, then of course got the Mississippi State, got the top, and part of it you need so you don't die of exposure in there because it's cold. <laughs> Uh, you know that AC is full tilt, okay. And so um, now, so I got to remember, you know, got to have some. Uh, uh, I got to layer up. <laughs> All right, so there you got it from Coach Leach again. I just thought that was too funny not to share with his uh, his coaching attire. That you just never know where old the old pirate's going to go on one of these tangents he goes on. But going back to uh, my conversation with Dave Bartu right before I hopped on the line. If you follow him, again, give him a, a follow. He's a tremendous follow on social media, at CFB Matrix. And he has been putting out here schedules. He's trying to make it balanced in the SEC. And the way he explained it to me, you got to put teams that are at the top of the league when it comes to recruiting, your Alabamas, Georgias, Texas, and LSU. I believe was his other. You got to keep them in unique pods. Otherwise, it's just it just gets too unbalanced with the schedules. Yeah, so these are the four that Dave Bartu, I'll throw it up on the screen. He's got his one seeds, Alabama, LSU, Texas, and Georgia. Just based on recent college football history, those are the four with the, that are the strong strongest recruiters. You go down just a peg below that, your two seeds, Auburn, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, Florida, Three seeds, Tennessee, Ole Miss, Arkansas, South Carolina, and then finally the four seeds, Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, Missouri, and Kentucky. Now, I realize, you know, we're not going to the pod system, but Bartu thinks this is basically what you got to go to if you're going to go to this format. You got to keep it as balanced as possible out of the pure fairness of the SEC. Now, I went a little bit deeper here and kind of marked the teams. And I'm already getting blowback on some of these matchups. But, of course, in your pods, you got to keep Alabama and Auburn. That's a dead giveaway. But I would keep Alabama and Tennessee and Alabama and Mississippi State, which I know Hale State fans, not a fan of that matchup. I get it. But you've been playing for over 100 years together, the two closest campuses in the SEC. I think Alabama and Mississippi State, if we go to – a a nine-team schedule with the three permanent rivals. I think, hell, nobody wants to get matched up with Alabama, but I think that's where it's going to be. For Arkansas, I gave you Texas, which I know Razorback fans are going to like. Ole Miss, I think that's a fair matchup, and that's always a hell of a game. And Missouri, and I know right out the gate, Razorback fans, you don't give a damn about Missouri, but that's been a tremendous series. It's easy to get to the – the travel is not that big of a factor. And again, we're trying to create balance here with the three permanent rivals. I mean, hell, Alabama, Texas, Texas A&M, that would be some, those be a hell of a game there. But nine times out of 10, all those other teams are going to recruit better than you. So do you really want to get paired up with just the elite of the elite? Or do you want to get paired up with uh, teams that you actually match up well historically? In recent SEC history, I don't know. That's up for you to decide. For Auburn, of course, we got Alabama, no-brainer, Georgia. And just to go basically easy on Auburn, and proximity's close there, Vanderbilt. I've seen Auburn paired with Florida 
in place of Vanderbilt, but I, I just don't think you can give Auburn, Alabama, Georgia, and Florida. I know Florida's been down here, but if they get that thing rolling, good God, Auburn is just – they're never going to be able to compete with the with the three-headed juggernaut there. Now, this one I think Florida fans would get on board with. Florida facing Georgia annually, South Carolina annually, and Kentucky. And, and that's been a nice little series there in recent years. I know that doesn't make a ton of sense for the geography of, of Kentucky versus Florida, but that's been a good game for damn near half a decade here between these two. So it makes some sense there. South Carolina, the proximity is there. And again, with Georgia, I, again, I think Florida fans, I think they'd be pretty damn happy with that one. Georgia, of course, you got Florida, Auburn, and South Carolina. So all of a sudden, South Carolina, you may be saying, well, what the hell? Our three permanent rivals is looking pretty tough. And that it is for sure. Kentucky playing Tennessee. I think that makes a lot of sense. Missouri for the Wildcats. And then I already mentioned it, Florida. I know Kentucky obviously doesn't want to go to the nine game. It's been well documented. But this three teams, this is about as good as it's going to get. I think maybe you could throw in Vandy in there somehow. But I think a lot of Kentucky fans would get on board with this three if that's what it is. LSU. Texas A&M, Texas A&M and LSU fans dying to keep that game together. Let's give it to them. LSU Ole Miss, nice little rivalry there. And then Mississippi State. Again, I think this is a three-teamer I think LSU fans could get on board with. Ole Miss, keeping Mississippi State, of course. LSU, that rivalry. And again, I mentioned it, Arkansas. I think Ole Miss will be fine with this one. Mississippi State now here. (laughs) Probably not too happy with this one. I'm already seeing some feedback here. But, of course, you're keeping the old Miss Egg Bowl. LSU and Alabama, that is a damn gauntlet for Mississippi State. But, I mean, it's going to be a gauntlet regardless here unless somehow you get uh, you find a way to give, your, give them Auburn or Vanderbilt or something like that. But Mississippi State, I don't think I'm going to get any uh, Hale State followers from uh, for, that, for that three-team permanent division rival. Missouri, Kentucky. Oklahoma, and again, Arkansas. I think Missouri fans will be pretty happy with that. Three teams that uh, you know you have some history with and have shown that you can compete with in the SEC. Oklahoma, Texas, of course. Already mentioned Missouri. And this I know this pisses off the 12th band, but Texas A&M makes a lot of sense there. Oklahoma, Texas A&M. Those are the three I like for the Sooners. South Carolina, we covered it. Georgia and Florida, that's tough. So we're throwing you a bone. You get Vanderbilt as your third. Again, I, I don't think a lot of Gamecock fans would, you know, maybe look at this and say that's too damn tough. But a lot of good games between South Carolina, Georgia, and Florida over the years. So you, there's some history there. And, again, you, you're getting the bone there of getting Vanderbilt, as is Tennessee, who has to play Alabama and Kentucky in my model I think that's a three-teamer that uh, most Tennessee fans would be happy to sign up for. Texas, again, you're getting Oklahoma. Got to keep that Red River game alive. Texas A&M and Arkansas. That's a hell of a trio for the Texas Longhorns. No layups there. A&M, we've covered it. Texas, LSU, and Oklahoma. And then last but not least, Vanderbilt. Keep the in-state with Tennessee. Getting South Carolina. And you get Auburn. If I'm a Vanderbilt fan, I think I'm even happy with that. So 
you know, that's one that Clark Lee and company, as you continue to rebuild your program, could potentially compete with those three programs. So let me know what you guys think in the comments section there. But again, we're trying to make this one not necessarily, you know, the dream three where you can beat them every year, but we're trying to keep this competitive and match you up with certain recruiters that you, that you're on the same level with, if possible, with proximity, with history. There's a lot of ways to go here with the nine-game conference schedule, which hopefully will get passed in the years to come. But once we have Dave Bartu on the line, we might have more people in favor of the eight-game model, which it doesn't seem like we got many. So that's another reason I want to have Bartu on the line to kind of give the other side of the argument. He made some good points, and again, he's not convinced me, but he's given me a lot to consider and I think he's in the ear of a couple SEC programs, and that's why we didn't have the vote go down here in Destin last week. Now, I feel like I've been teasing this for a month now, even though it's really been a week, but let's get to uh, the SEC West fan predictions after we put out these uh, schedule graphics about a week and a half ago. Really appreciate all the response. Didn't really know if we were getting any response, so... This was not really a planned content that I was going to discuss on the podcast, but we just had so many overwhelming reactions to all these schedules that I rounded up, went and collected each and every response that gave a record prediction for the upcoming season for all 14 SEC programs. And let's start with Alabama, which I was not blown away by the final results, as you'd expect. 12-0, undefeated, regular season for the Crimson Tide was the favorite of the fans that participated in this poll. But one thing that did surprise me, a lot of people, 11-1 for Alabama, far more people are picking Georgia to go undefeated. If you missed it last week, we talked about Georgia. Five times as many people nearly picked Georgia to go undefeated than picked them to go 11-1. Whereas Alabama, not even close. Nearly everyone voted Alabama to go 12-0 or 11-1, but it was only by about 10 votes that 12-0 won out. So that was very surprising to me, considering Alabama's probably going to open the season number one in the polls. They're going to be picked to win the West. They're going to be picked to win the SEC come media day. So I was kind of assuming that uh, – the same thing for Georgia. I thought Alabama would be just an incredibly, incredibly huge favorite to go undefeated. Maybe we got some wise listeners on this show that, uh, you know, I'm trying to pump the brakes a little bit on, on calling this an all-time Alabama team. I know they got the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. They got the nation's best defender. It's easy to just fall in love with this roster when you see that, but there's a whole lot more to a football team and two players. So Alabama, they deserve to be the favorites, no doubt. Not suggesting anything other than that, but it is interesting that so many people think Alabama could drop a football game because, hell, I know they lost two last year, but it's not often they lose a football game. So it's one of those where you have to see it to believe it, yet uh, we got more and more people believing that uh, the Crimson Tide will drop a game in the regular season. Now, Arkansas Razorbacks next on the docket here. This was an interesting one. And fan expectation through the roof there in Fayetteville. 
I like to think I'm a little bit a part of uh, pumping up the Razorbacks, and people are certainly out there listening. Tons and tons of Razorbacks responded to this poll, and by one vote, just a single vote, nine and three regular season record for the Arkansas Razorbacks was the winner. But again, by only one vote, ten and two was the next most popular for the Arkansas Razorbacks. So, like I'm saying here, the vast majority of people. Nine, ten win season for Arkansas. Again, you got to go back to last year. I think they were picked dead last in the West, had not been favored in a conference game in three, four years. And yet here we go, nine to ten win season is the expectation for the vast majority of Arkansas fans out there. That is just wild. And I'm not I'm not pumping the brakes on this one. I mean, I, I think it's justified, but it's pretty wild to see just the turn of events. Eight and four and 11 and one were the next two most pop. More people think the Arkansas Razorbacks will go 11 and one than seven and five, which is just incredible considering where that program was when Sam Pittman got there. And how about this? Nearly as many people think Arkansas will go 12 and 0 as seven and five. So not, I mean, we're, we're talking basically the same amount of people drinking the Kool-Aid as think Arkansas is going to come back down to earth. If I'm a Razorback fan, I'm pretty fired up. And, and clearly, based on these responses, the Razorbacks are feeling like they got a shot. They're done talking about how difficult the schedule looks like. They love their team with all their coaches and, and standout players returning. Arkansas Razorbacks, nine and three again, was the most popular prediction for the Razorbacks. Now, a different story on the Plains. Now, I do want to say this because I don't, I don't want to sit here and trash Auburn the whole time, but they did just land a transfer, former LSU receiver, Corey Moore, 27 catches, 248 yards in two seasons at LSU, former four-star receiver, I believe. He only had five catches last season, but a very talented player. Not someone I think LSU is really going to miss, but that's not the point. The point is Auburn desperate for some help at the receiver position. They're going to be getting it via Coy Moore. So I just wanted to make that little announcement. That happened over the weekend. But I wanted to start with the good news because the bad news, most popular pick for them Auburn Tigers, 6-6, six and six, which that should never be the mark there in Auburn. But that, again is what the fans are saying. And second most popular, I hate to say it, five and seven, followed by four and eight. So just no expectations for the Auburn Tigers. We only had one person predict Auburn to go nine and three. We had zero that predicted anything better than nine and three. And again, we had one single person. More people picked Auburn to go three and nine than nine and three, which is just... It's sad, it's depressing, but hell, as we always like to say this offseason with everyone piling on Auburn expecting uh, Brian Harson to get fired by the second month of the season, when you doubt Auburn, that's when they come and punch you right in the damn mouth and have a fantastic season. So maybe all this negativity outside of the plane is going to rally this fan, ba fan base, this team. Hell, it, let's not forget, heading into November, Auburn Tigers – controlled their destiny in the SEC West. If that team shows up, they could be the surprise of the nation. They're going to have to prove it early, hosting Penn State, nationally televised football game. 
but I can't wait for it. And maybe that'll be their coming out party there for the nation when they trounce Penn State on the plains. Now, how about the LSU Tigers? Interesting here, kind of more in the line of what I've been thinking for Brian Kelly's first year. Not to say they don't have talent. they got a world of talent down there. They've got an elite head coach, proven track record, championship caliber coach. But I think it's going to be a tough climb, and that is what most fans think. 7-5 and five was the most predicted record for them LSU Tigers this fall in Brian Kelly's first season. But the second most by 10 votes was 8-4, and four, followed by 9-3. and three. So, you know, it's not doom and gloom or anything here. People are certainly seeing possibilities where LSU pulls an upset or two this season. And again, they got the talent, they got the coaching staff. But uh, I think everyone is uh, pumping the brakes until they see this team on the field with so much transition. And playing in the West, you're getting Florida and Tennessee out of the East this year. Not exact. That's better than Georgia. But aside from that, those are two of the worst teams potentially. You're getting Florida in the swamp. You get Tennessee in in Death Valley. At least you got that going for you. But this may be the best Tennessee team in several years. So may not be in LSU's. It may not be in the cards for LSU to have a great season year one again. So no surprise. From me, that 7-5 and five was the most predicted record for the LSU Tigers. But I think LSU fans, while the expectations are still high within that fan base, 8-4, and 9-3, I think that's their expectations. I think they could kind of understand, I would think, why 7-5 and five makes sense for the vast majority of SEC fans. Now, how about Ole Miss? The rest of the SEC, a lot of... Rebel haters out there, Lane Kiffin haters, I guess, because they think they're going to come back down to earth a little bit here. The most predicted record for them Ole Miss Rebels, 8-4. and four. Which, again, probably when Lane Kiffin got there, you'd say, well, hell, that's, that's not a bad record. 9-3 and three was the second most predicted. But how about this? 10-2, and two, matching last season's record, the third most predicted record for Ole Miss. And, again, I think this is more of a factor of – Roster turnover, coaching turnover, and a belief in Lane Kiffin and company to mesh all those pieces together and still have a really good year. Eight, nine, ten win season. You can't overlook that if you're an Ole Miss fan with how rugged the West is. You're getting Kentucky out of the East. You know, that's a tricky game. That's your first non-conference, but the schedule is looking great. The non-conference should set up great to have momentum when uh, the SEC play starts for the Rebels. So, again, expectations are still high. But I think this 8-4, and four, while I think the vast majority of Ole Miss fans not happy with that prediction, again, I think you, they would kind of have to understand it given all the turnover. But, again, 9-3 and three was your second most predicted. 10-2 and two was your third with 7-5 and five right there. So, between 10-7 and seven, was basically every guess for Ole Miss' season. And I think that feels about right, given all the turnover and what we don't know uh, about Ole Miss until we see him on the field this fall. Now, this was the most stunning one of all. And if Ole Miss fans are fired up over those responses, they're going to love ease. Because <laughs> Mississippi State tied for the most responses 
five and seven and four and eight. There was no tiebreaker though. Five and seven or four and eight was the most predicted guesses for Mississippi State's record this fall. And that, I mean, that just blows me away because I, I don't know what the hell these people, maybe they just don't know anything about Mississippi State. We've got like 17 returning starters. We got Mike Leach. We got Zach Arnett. We got Will Rogers all returning. We got a ton of star power in the receiving core. We got two great running backs returning. I know they lost Charles Cross. He was a hell of a player. Top 10 pick, I think, in the NFL draft. He's going to be probably impossible to replace. But if the players outside of that tackle position step up, Mississippi State, this is ridiculous. Five and seven, four and eight. What the hell? No, this is going to be a hell of a lot better team this fall in Starkville. Eight and four, seven and five, six and six were the next most predicted records for the Bulldogs. That's a little bit more sense, but that just blew me away. And I, I maybe this is just a factor of the non-conference being a little tricky. And I say tricky, but I mean Memphis. Come on, Arizona. Come on, Mississippi State should wax all these teams to get some momentum. Heading into conference play, the Pirates are walking upset, as uh, Dave Bartu likes to call them. Can't get on board with this. I'd certainly bet a hell of a lot more money on 8-4 and four than I would 5-7 and seven or 4-8 and eight there in Starkville. So I think the fans around the SEC just dead wrong when it comes to their expectations for the Mississippi State Bulldogs this season. Now, last but not least, Texas A&M. Not too surprising here, but hopes are high. I was expecting a ton of 8-4 uh, and four type jokes, but that was not the winning response. But that was the second most. I think that just, I think that got some projections just because people are, love to be jerks online. But the most common response from the Texas A&M Aggies, and I think most Aggie fans would get on board with this one, 10-2 for Jimbo Fisher's squad. Of course, you got to go to Alabama. You're hosting Miami. That's a... Two big games, first half of that schedule. Got to play Arkansas on a neutral field. Lost to the Mississippi school, so there's a lot to turn around there for Texas A&M, but I think 10-2, and two, given that you don't know. You know you know what you got in, in the quarterbacks, I think, in, in most of them. But we have no idea who the starting quarterback is going to be and how much better A&M can be with Max Johnson Haynes King or Connor Wigman. We, we just don't know how high the a the A&M offense can go with one of those guys. But I think A&M fans, if they're being honest, they got a lot of confidence in all these guys. And, hell, that would be a lot better uh, – a hell of a lot better confidence than what you had last year in the game's most important position. Losing a ton of defenders, of course, but just loaded with talent all across the board on the defensive line, linebacker, and this may be your best secondary under Jimbo Fisher. So a lot to like about Texas A&M's defense and a lot to like about the offense and the pieces outside of the unknowns at quarterback and, of course, offensive line. That's a little bit of a question mark. But, again, 10-2, most popular pick for the Aggies. 8-4 was the second most. 9-3 was the third most with the – Fourth and fifth were, were distant, fourth and fifth, but 12 and 0, 11 and 1. So, again, that speaks to expectations there. I mean, we're not seeing any, they didn't get a single 6 and 6, 5 and 7, 4 and 8 record, and, and why would you? I mean, Texas A&M's got way too much talent 
to fall apart under Jimbo Fisher. But I just thought that was interesting. 10-2, and two, so the expectations very high across the SEC for them Aggies this fall. But hey, so that's going to do it for this episode of the show. I appreciate each and every one of you sticking with us here throughout the offseason. I know it's uh, not as fun without Cousin Shane, but fingers crossed, Tuesday, he's getting his internet. We'll see how how much more excuses he's got after that. (laughs) Hopefully even get him on camera moving forward once he's got that blazing fast internet. But I'm going to try to reach out. I've already teasing Dave Bartu, hopefully on the next episode, reaching out to some other reporters that were in Destin last week. Hope to get some interesting guests this week. But that is going to do it for this episode of the show. I appreciate each and every one of you. We'll catch you on the next one.